0: We're going to pick up in the second week, we started last week, this series I'm calling Cycle of Pain. And so we're in the second week, we're going to try to go through this all of May, uh, as long as we're here. As, if the baby comes early, then we may not be doing this. Um, you'll have to have whoever speaks. Just tell the baby to wait. Tell the baby to wait so till the series is it. done. Tell the baby to wait till we're done oh, with talking about pain. So we're going to be back in Genesis 29, back in Genesis 29. So if you want to turn there, be there. We spent some time there last week. We're going to be there again this week, except this week, we're going to try to go a little deeper. Okay. So last week we kind of grazed the surface. We looked at this whole story. I'll recap it for you here in a second. And we kind of just grazed the surface this week. I want to try to go in a little deeper and talk a little deeper in this cycle of pain. Because the reality is all of us face pain every single one of you, if I just went around one by one or I brought you into this room one by one and said I just want you to tell me the pain in your life that you are feeling, have felt, every single one of you would have a story. Every single one of you would be able to tell me this is some of the pain that I've had in my life, this is some of the pain that I carry around and you would be able to tell me because pain is not something that is absent in certain people. Pain happens to everybody. And none of us, none of us have the ability to rate the pain. You can't tell me that my pain isn't that bad. Or I can't tell you your pain isn't that bad. Pain doesn't have this rating scale that we're able to determine what is painful and what is not. This is something that that we we just have, we experience, and you can't really tell how bad it is. Something may be worse for you than it is for me. You may have something painful and you go, wow, this is a little painful. But then when I hear it, I go, well, I guess it's not really that painful, but I can't determine the scale. So pain happens. Something that's happened in my life that's been painful, shared a little bit last week about one of the most painful injuries I've had was a broken collarbone. Uh, But one of probably the most painful experiences I've experienced here in the past couple years is uh, right when I came over here to Grace, I was working with an organization called Starfish. Starfish are based out of Mansfield. What this organization does is they have these people that go into the jails And they talk to these different guys that are in there for some type of drug charge and try to get them to go to these different rehab facilities that are some Christian based, some um, not. And so we would go in there. And so I was kind of the guy that they helped used in Ashland that would go into the jails. And I talked to these different guys that were in there for these different charges. So I got a call. One of the first guys, they told me to go see. They said, hey, I want you to go see this guy. I want you to talk to him, see what you can do. I said, okay. So I walked in there, no idea what I'm doing. Sit in, the, sit in the little spot where there's the glass in between. They're on the other side. I'm on this side. They got their cuffs on and I got to pick up the phone. I've never done this before. It's weird. I was like kind of weirded out, but I got to pick up the phone and I got to talk to them. Talking to them on the other side, I start telling them a little bit about it. I said, hey, you know, you probably don't know who I am. My name's Taylor. I work at... At the time, I was working at Southview Grace Brethren. I'm the youth pastor there, but I also work with an organization called Starfish, and I just want to let you know a little bit about what we're about. Told them a little bit what I'm about, a little bit about the place that I worked a lot with. Team Challenge in Youngstown is where I sent a lot of people. I was up there a couple times, so I worked with them. I said, I just want you to know you don't know me, but I care about you, and I love you, and I hope if there's anything I can do for you when you get out, you let me know. I hang up the phone, he said, thank you. I hang up the phone, I walk out. And I remember telling, I was with a buddy of mine because this is the first time I've been in the jails. And I was like, I don't know how hard it's gonna be to get in the jails, I don't know what I'm gonna have to do. He worked for the court system, so I said, hey, I'm not sure this guy's gonna, if anything's gonna happen. So I go home and I'm, I'm actually watching, at the time I was staying at my parents' house because they were out on vacation and so they asked me to kind of stay, watch the dogs for the weekend. And I got a call about two days later this guy had gotten out two nights previous like I came pretty much the day before he was getting out and so he 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 gets out and he he does a couple different things and I get a phone call from the people I work with and they said hey just want to let you know this guy's on his way up to team challenge I said great this is awesome I went up there two or three times throughout his time it's a 12-month program uh or maybe 18. I don't know, it's was 12 or 18, so he was up there. I went up there a couple times, visited him. He was totally different. The first time I went up there, I didn't even recognize him. But I went up there. I'm talking with him different times. Uh, he comes back after he graduated the program. I had breakfast with him, man. This guy went from um, being hooked on drugs to all of a sudden, like, man, he was on fire for Jesus. There was something that clicked in him. And so we came back. We had breakfast Um, It was like in April of 2018, no, 2019, April of 2019. It's been great, you know, kind of touching base with him. Heard he was coming back in like September again. So I was like, hey, you know, I'll get he was living kind of like what they call a halfway house, getting him out of the rehab facility into back into normal society. And so I thought this is great when he gets back. I'll touch base with him again. He comes back to go on a hunting trip with his dad. And I'm sitting actually here. It was like a Saturday, I'm sitting here and I think you were with me, weren't you? You weren't with me. Um, We were interviewing, it was actually one or two guys before Tyler that we were interviewing for a worship guy. They had me come in and help ask some questions and get to know this guy. And all of a sudden, uh, Dan and Greg walk out of the room And I was like, well, that's kind of weird. And so then they open the door back up and they say, hey, I want to come out here for a second, Taylor. So I come out in the hallway and and they they start telling me, they say, hey, we just want you to know the guy that I sent up to Team Challenge had OD'd and died. And I remember standing there and it's like one of those things that doesn't hit you right away, but you're just in shock. I mean, I didn't know this guy at all. They just asked me to go see somebody in a jail. And I was like, fine, I'll do it. But I got to know this guy. I got to have some type of connection with this guy. I watched this guy work through his issue, deal with the pain in his life, go through this rehab and thought, man, this guy's got it now. He, he doesn't have any issues. I've been talking to him. There have been no relapses, nothing. I thought this guy's got it. He's got it figured out in just six months, not even. Since he graduates the program, he has one relapse. One relapse. That was it. It wasn't like he'd been doing it. He had one time and never came back. And I remember sitting on the couch with Shannon, and one of probably the only times I've gotten, like, really close to just sobbing because this was somebody that I cared about you guys might hear that and yeah it it, it's it's sad for you and painful for you but you're like i don't know the guy but to me that was painful There was some deep pain that I had to deal with losing this guy that I got to know so well and watch his life transform. And so to you, you didn't get to see all that. To you, it's just a story. And so you're like, well, I'm sorry for you, Taylor. And so you kind of say, I feel sad, but it's not very painful for you. So you might say that to me, but you may tell me a story about somebody like that. And you go, man, this hurt deep. And I go, well, it's it's sad, but I don't really know them. We don't have the ability to determine people's pain. But we do all feel pain. You guys may got stories like that. I remember talking to my dad all throughout high school and just me running and running from Jesus and the amount of pain he kept carrying watching his son just make different decisions to you guys that's not going to matter. Someone like Dave, who's got kids, that might, that might hit a little deeper to home. It's going to hit a lot deeper to home for us here shortly with our own child. But you're like, I don't have children. That doesn't matter. What is the pain in your life? What is the pain you are carrying around? What is the pain you are dealing with that's hard to carry? I want to unpack real quick I know I've I'm already talking too long, and I got a lot to cover. But I want to unpack this idea for the next few moments. Of relief is in Jesus. You might say, Taylor, I understand that. That's so simple, so basic. Yeah, but I want you to watch this. I want you to watch this because even though the relief is in Jesus from our pain, many times that's hair, my eye. Many times we don't go to Jesus. We don't go to Jesus. And so whatever pain you're carrying today, you don't have to carry it anymore. You don't have to carry it all by yourself. There's somebody there that wants to carry it for you. So we're going to jump in. Genesis chapter 29. I'm going to read verses 31 through 35, which is where we're going to plant for the next few moments. And then I will recap real quickly what this story is all about. So it says here in verse 31 when the Lord saw that Leah was unloved he enabled her to have children but Rachel could not conceive. So Leah became pregnant gave birth to a son she named him Reuben for she said the Lord has noticed my misery now my husband will love me. She soon became pregnant again and gave birth to another son she named him Simeon for she said the Lord heard that I was unloved and has given me another son. Then she became pregnant a third time and gave birth to another son. His name was Levi, for she said, surely this time my husband will feel affection for me since I have given him three sons. Once again, Leah became pregnant and gave birth to another son. She named him Judah, for she said, now I will praise the Lord. And then she stopped having children. So if you were here last week or listened to the message last week, if we had it up, I don't know if we had it up or not. But, um, Anyways, you can listen to it this week, Um, but we went over this passage last week, and so you might be like, Taylor, why are we going into this passage again? Well, I want to take this one step deeper. So basically, here's what's happening. Here's the backstory. If you started at Genesis 29, at the beginning of the chapter, you would understand this is the story that's happening. We're jumping in jumping in at the end of the story. But here's what happens. Jacob kind of gets in contact through this weird situation where he's at this well and meets a bunch of these people who know his uncle Laban. They know his uncle Laban. So he gets in contact, all of a sudden gets back in touch with his uncle Laban. And so he goes to live with Laban and work with Laban for a while because he hasn't, he hasn't seen this guy in a while. So like oftentimes back in that time, if they would find a relative that they hadn't seen in a while, talk to for a while, they just stay for a while didn't have all these different things they had to do like we do where we got to go here and there and we can't just go away for the weekend because I got three different things I got going on this weekend. They're like, Hey, I haven't talked to you in three years. I'll just stay for a couple months. So he stays there. He starts working with them and say, doing, doing the different stuff around the, the house, helping him out. And so Laban says, I don't want you just working for me for free. I want some type of payment to happen. I don't want you just to work for free. I want to pay you something. So Jacob, having his eyes set on something, says, I want your daughter Rachel. Because it says here in Genesis twenty-nine, seventeen, there was no sparkle in Leah's eye, but Rachel had a beautiful figure and a lovely face. He had his eyes set on Rachel. Rachel was the picture-perfect picture perfect woman. She was the woman of his dream. She was the one that had it all together, the perfect face, the nice body, the great hair. That's who Jacob wanted. This is who she, she was. He wanted Rachel. She was the beautiful one. She walked into a room and everybody turned their eyes on her. That's who this girl was. He said, that's who I want. Now, Leah, Leah, you've probably heard people say this before leah had a great personality that's what she had going for her she had a great personality she was really nice but that was about it that was about it rachel walked into the room the air got sucked out of the room leah walks in and everybody kind of just goes oh leah's here good to see you leah she didn't have the sparkle she didn't have the beautiful face so jacob says i want rachel So he says, okay, here's what we're going to do. I'll give you Rachel, but you got to work for me for seven years. So any of you that think you need to marry your boyfriend or girlfriend right now, try working seven years before you can even get to marry them. He says, wait seven years, you'll get to marry her and we'll make it happen. He said, great. So he works seven years, gets married. And then on the night of the wedding, they have been partying, probably had a little bit too much to drink, went to bed. And when he woke up, and looked who was laying next to him. It was not Rachel, but it was Leah. So he had married Leah. And so he goes back, raging mad at Laban and said, what's going on here? I thought, I thought we had this deal. You were going to give me Rachel and we were going to get married and that was it. He said, well, it's not really in our culture, in our custom to marry the younger daughter off first. So... He marries off the older one. He says, here's what I'll do at the end of the bridal week. At the end of the kind of the honeymoon phase, the first week, you can marry Rachel, but you have to promise to work for me for another seven years. So now, try waiting 14 years. 14 years. He's got to wait to marry Rachel. And so, he marries her at the end of that, and then works another seven years, and that's what brings us to where we're at. But what's interesting, the last verse in verse 30, before we jump into this, these couple verses says, so Jacob slept with Rachel too, and he loved her much more. Make sure you key in on that because we're going to focus on that. He loved her much more than Leah. You hear this story, and just like the story I told you at the beginning, you might not say that's very painful. Leah has got a lot of pain in her life. She's been forced to marry Jacob, who doesn't love her. Her sister is way better looking than her. All the guys want her. She doesn't get wanted. And she's got to deal with all of this pain somehow. Somehow she's got to deal with this pain, and she doesn't know what to do. It's not our job to rate the pain in people's life. But it's our job to help feel their pain. We don't need to go around and tell Leah, you need to just suck it up and get it together. No, 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 no. What we need to do if we're in the shoes around Leah at this time, we go, I can't totally get what you're going through, but I want to feel the pain you're feeling. That's what a true friend does. That's what somebody does when they love somebody is they don't try to interpret the pain in their own way or they don't try to rate the pain. What somebody like us around here need to do to each other is just go in the pain with them. I can't totally get what your pain's like, but I'm going to be here. I'm going to feel what you are feeling the best way I can. I'm going to support you. I'm going to empathize with you. We need to feel people's pain, not tell them what their pain is. And too often, we're trying to tell people what their pain level is. Well, just suck it up. That's not too bad. You, you can, you're fine. Just move past that pain. Wow, that's pretty deep. So I would, I would take a while to grieve on that. No, 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 no. Come alongside and just feel their pain. I can remember when we were in high school, I've told this story before, but we snuck out, and I was like a sophomore or a junior in high school, and uh, with a couple of my buddies, we got found out, got in trouble, and so when we came back, we got all of our punishment and all the different stuff they told us about, but what was crazy after that is me and my brother, always being irrational as teenagers, we get so mad because he took away our, I couldn't drive anywhere, we weren't allowed to go anywhere, it was literally, we just had to come home and like sit in our room. We could go around the house. It wasn't like they locked us in our room, but that was like all we could really do. And so we're like, this is ridiculous. I don't deserve this. I just snuck out and you're going to punish me for all of this and take everything away. And so we were mad. And so this is what we decided. Me and my brother started talking. We say, hey, I got my truck out there. Let's just run. Let's just make a run for it. This is is how rational we're thinking at this time, that it's so bad that we have everything taken away. So we're just going to take a run for it. So we call up our buddy, Wyatt, and we say, hey, here's what's going on. Here's what we're dealing with. Here's how we're feeling. What do you think? Wyatt says, I'm there. If you guys run, I'm running with you. He didn't even, he didn't even get in trouble. 80% of the people around that situation didn't even know he was with us. But what he did is he said, if this is the pain and the frustration you're feeling, I'm going to feel it too. I'm going to make sure you guys aren't alone. I'm going to make sure you understand I feel what you're feeling. How often do you have somebody tell you what their pain is and you just kind of go, well, that's tough? Or do you sit there with them and go, man, I can't understand this, but I'm going to be there for you. I'm going to sit in the pain with you and feel what you're feeling. That's what Leah wants. She just wants somebody to help feel her pain. And when you begin to feel pain like this, the cycle begins. As we looked last week, and we'll dive into it again, the cycle begins. So the first part of a painful cycle, the first part of the cycle when you're entering pain happens actually with the first child. So if you go back here to verse 32, here's what we're going to see. So Leah became pregnant, gave birth to a son. She named him Reuben. You might say, Taylor, what does this have anything to do with the cycle of pain? Well, if you understand, Reuben actually means look it's a boy look it's a boy so when you see reuben that's what you see you should see now that you know what it is look it's a boy so what leah is actually naming this first child is hey look i've got a boy and so she's dealing with all this pain that she's not wanted not loved especially this is what you see she's not seen she's not seen so she goes hey look Look, here's a boy. Jacob, look, I've given birth to not only our first child, but it's a son. In those cultures in that time, sons were more highly valued. So not only does she give birth to a first child, it's a son. And she goes, look, it's a boy. And she just wants to be seen. She just wants Jacob to see her. She's she's going, hey, I got this pain I'm walking around with. Do you see me, Jacob? The problem with her pain isn't even she cares about the child. What she cares about is Jacob loving her. You can see it by the way she names her child. I just want to be seen. And oftentimes when we want to be seen, we play like we don't want to be seen. We play kind of like, yes, I I, I desperately want something, but I'm just going to play it like I don't. I remember one of the first big fights me and Shannon got in. We don't get in very many big fights, really any fights at all, but there was one time very shortly after we got married. I don't even totally remember the whole dispute, but we had gotten in this fight. We were on the way home, um, actually from the reformatory with a couple people here from church, and this kind of went down. And so then we went into, we got home, got into the house and went our separate ways. She went out back, I think, for a while and was sitting outside. I don't know. I think I laid down for a little while in the bed, and we just didn't talk to each other. Now, what I really wanted to happen is in the pain I was feeling, I didn't, I didn't want to make it look like I wanted people to feel what I'm feeling, but what I wanted them to feel or what I wanted her to see was that I truly was, was hurt. I wasn't going to tell her that. I wasn't going to show that, but I, I wanted her to think, Man, the best thing I could have happened there was, Taylor, I am so sorry. I have messed up. I have hurt you. And I was totally wrong. That's what I wanted. Because in my mind, during, I do remember this part. In my mind, I wanted, I was right. Whatever she had against me, irrational, illogical. I was right. She was wrong. And so I played it like I didn't want to. I didn't want to talk to her, but really I was feeling the pain and I wanted her to come and just apologize and, and kiss my feet because I am great and she's wrong, but that's not how it happened. And a lot of times that's what our pain is like, is we play like, oh, we're fighting and I'm gonna play like, like I don't care and I don't want your help. But inside, we desperately want them to come back. We desperately want them to apologize. Leah's like, I got pain, but I'm gonna pretend like it doesn't bother me. But yet you see through the name of her first son, look, it's a boy, that she desperately desires something. And that's love, to be seen. She wants people to see her. More specifically, she wants Jacob. She doesn't even care about the child. She cares that her pain is taken care of. Jacob, do you love me? Do you see me? That's what she wanted. And when we're seen, we're going to do a lot of weird things to be seen. she names a child after her pain she names a child after what she's dealing with that's a pretty far far thing to do but doesn't get any better pain doesn't get relieved cuz she's too busy putting her, her pain and in people instead of the father And so it doesn't work. Jacob still doesn't see her. He doesn't magically come up and say, wow, you had a boy. I see it. I love you now. You're so much better than Rachel. No, no, that doesn't happen. So then she has a second child. She has a second child. The second child's name says here in verse 33, soon she became pregnant again and gave birth to another son. She named him Simeon. Simeon in the Hebrew, it kind of means seen or heard. Heard. So not only now does she name her first son after the pain she's feeling, I want to be seen. Look, it's a boy. Do you see me? Now she goes, I have a second son. His name's Simeon. Jacob, do you understand me? Do you hear me? Do you even know I exist? Do you even know who I am? And that's who she names the second one after. And she's slowly starting to place her identity in things to help deal with her pain. You think, oh, the first one she names, that's kind of of weird. But now she only doesn't name the first son after what she's dealing with. She now names a second son. Because she begins in 32 saying, The Lord noticed, the Lord saw my misery. Now I hope my husband will love me. Now, this one, she says, the Lord heard, the Lord heard that I was unloved and has given me another son. She believes she's hated. When you're not seen, when you're not loved, you believe, obviously, then the next logical thing is that you're hated. Well, he doesn't like me. And especially since he doesn't like me, he doesn't understand me. He doesn't understand the pain that I'm dealing with. He doesn't understand what's going on, but the Lord's heard me. I just hope Jacob hears me. Maybe you got some people like that when you're going through pain, you're like, they don't understand me. I remember when I was dealing with a couple different issues in high school and I would have conversations with my dad and I would talk to him. One of the biggest things I've shared with you guys was smoking that I dealt with. And, And when I talked to my dad about this, I always used to tell him, you don't understand. You don't understand what kind of pain I'm dealing with that I do this or or the pain that it is to quit this. And, And he would always say, I don't understand the pain. I'm not trying to, but I want to help you. But I wouldn't get that through my head because he just didn't understand my pain. He'd never been there. And so I couldn't get it through my head. Since I wasn't being heard, I couldn't hear from him. I just wanted him to say, man, I know it's tough and just sympathize with me. But that's not what he did. He just wanted me to work through the pain. And instead, I didn't hear him. And he didn't hear me. And so then we begin to also... Since nobody hears us, we can't celebrate anybody else. We can't be like, well, you know, you're doing successful, but look at my life, look at all the pain I'm dealing with. Man, you've got a great relationship, but you should listen to the pain that I got going on in my life. And so we start shifting all that pain back on us. You can't be excited for anything else people are are, are going through, what their life is like. All of a sudden, it's all about your pain, and I can't be happy for any of you because I am depressed. I am in pain. We become the Eeyores. Nobody hears us, so I'm just going to pout all the time and and complain about my pain. And and nobody else hears me, so I'm not going to let them be successful. I'm not going to let them be hurt either. How are you dealing with your pain? How are you dealing with it? Maybe what we need to begin to do is listen to other people, hear other people, instead of trying to be heard. Maybe we need to begin to listen to what other people want to do to help us walk through this pain instead of trying for them to see what's going on in our life. But the pain doesn't stop there. You got to go real quick through these last two. Pain doesn't stop there. Then she has a third one. His name is Levi. Levi means attachment, connection. So she goes from the first child, I hope Jacob sees me, loves me, to I just want connection. I don't even care if it's good. I don't even care if it fulfills. I just want him to connect with me, be attached to me. Because that's how deep the pain is now. It's not just the surface level anymore. Now it's gone from I just want him to see me to I just want connection. I just want connection. And as we talked a little bit about connection last week, cheap connection will never satisfy. This will also force us to do things we said we would never do because we just want connection and I'll do whatever it takes to get that connection. You say, take things like I would never smoke. But if that's what's going to get me a connection to someone, I'll do it. I would never drink. Well, if that gets me a connection to somebody, then I'll do it. I'd never have sex outside of marriage. Well, if that's what gets me a connection, then I'll do it. You wonder why these people are just out there doing whatever they want? Or relationships where people come back to again and again that aren't good for them? because they just want connection and they think just going back to that relationship is gonna give them what they want. But I promise you, it's more, trying to think of the word, I couldn't think of it, more um, detrimental to go back to those cheap connections than to just lay off that. It's going to hurt more to keep going back to those cheap connections than to just let it go because all you're gonna do is keep wanting more and more. It's just like soda. Just like soda. Great business model. They created a drink to keep making you thirsty. So you need more soda. The whole intention is to get you to keep buying more soda. So you buy, you go and you say you got Mountain Dew here. You drink a Mountain Dew. Well, you get thirsty again. You go drink another Mountain Dew. You drink another Coke or another Dr. Pepper. The whole business model is great. But what they do is they keep wanting you to want more. It keeps you thirsty. So you want more. Cheap connections are like soda. You do something where it's cheap and it's never going to satisfy. You're going to keep wanting more and you're going to do whatever it takes to get that cheap connection. So the question in your cheap connections, are you running to those? Are you at the point where Leah's at where she says, I just want connection? I don't care if it's good or not. I don't care if it's good or not. So what breaks the cycle? What breaks the cycle? Well, there's the fourth son, and I'm done. Fourth son. Once again, Leah became pregnant gave birth to another son. She named him Judah. For she said, now I will praise the Lord. And then she stopped having children. I can't tell you what breaks the cycle of your pain. You want to be seen, you want to be heard, and you want connection. You want attachment. Those are the three cycles of pain, the three things you want in pain. And, and I don't know how to break this, but one thing I can tell you is Jesus gives you relief. Jesus can break this cycle of pain. That may sound like a Sunday school answer, but, but, but look at what happens here in each of these three. The Lord has noticed me. The Lord has seen me. The Lord has heard. Surely this time my husband will feel affection for me. He also feels that affection for you. Something happened in that moment. In her pain that she said, man, Jesus is the answer. I've been putting my pain in people. I've been trying to put my pain in the answers of this world. But the real question wasn't why am I putting my pain here. It's why am I not giving it to Jesus? He cares about me. These people don't. Jacob doesn't love you. Stop trying to go to him. Give your pain to Jesus because he cares. And he wants you to work through it with you. And he wants to be there for you. And we're too busy trying to bring relief in any way possible that we just don't want to do the hard work of giving the pain to Jesus and walking through the pain with Jesus. Three quick verses. One you've probably, or a couple you've probably heard before, but Hebrews 4.15 says this. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. Jesus understands your pain. We have a high priest who's able to sympathize with you. He understands your pain. Psalm 23. Psalm 23, a verse you've probably heard before, or chapter you've probably heard before in Psalms. This so is what it says in Psalm 23:4, Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid. For you are close beside me. You're riding your staff. Protect and comfort me. He's attached. There's a connection there. He wants to connect with you. And then Psalm 56 says this. Verse 8. You keep track of all my sorrows. You have collected all my tears in your bottle. You have recorded each one in your book. He sees you. He sees the pain you're dealing with. He keeps track of your tears. You've got to be seen in order to see that. So you want to know the answer to the pain in your life and how you break that is you've got to give it to Jesus. He sees you, he hears you, and he gets connected and he wants attachment to you. Stop going to other things for relief and start giving the pain to Jesus. Relief is in Jesus. It's just like a band-aid. Just like a band-aid. If I were to open this up and say I had a cut on my finger, I open this up, I go to put the band-aid on. Here's the reality. If I put this band-aid on my finger, like I had a cut here, this band-aid doesn't magically heal my cut anymore. It's not like all of a sudden, well, it's on there, so it's it's gone. You take it off, two seconds later, there's no more cut, no more pain, no. This just puts a protector on the pain. This just covers the pain. This just helps the process in getting the cut dealt with. But it doesn't solve the cut. It doesn't magically heal the cut. What we're doing a lot of times in the pain in our life is we're putting a Band-Aid on it. We think this is going to bring relief. We think this is going to make us feel better. But in reality, all it's doing is covering it up. It's not dealing with the real issue, which is the cut. If I just kept a Band-Aid on and this was like a two inch all the way through to my bone, you're going to say, Taylor, you need stitches. That's not going to heal it. Yeah, but it's covered. It's good. We're walking around with all this pain in our life and we're just putting Band-Aids on it. And it's a lot deeper than that. All we can do is bring our pain to Jesus. That's where we'll find relief. Where are you taking your pain? Where are you taking your pain? Let me pray for you guys.